You're listening to the Irish Times Worldview Podcast. Welcome to Worldview from the Irish Times. I'm Dennis Staunton. With armed soldiers patrolling the streets of France and Belgium and governments considering a raft of new security and surveillance measures, Europe remains on high alert following the terrorist attacks in Paris earlier this month. European Union foreign ministers this week pledged to enhance intelligence sharing with one another and to deepen cooperation with some Arab states in an effort to monitor so-called foreign fighters, young Muslims from Europe who travel to the Middle East to join extremist groups. Some of the measures being considered, such as confiscating passports of suspected extremists and increased online surveillance, have come under fire from civil liberties groups. But are they necessary to protect European citizens, particularly vulnerable groups like the Jewish community, who have borne the brunt of recent attacks? Or will they only serve to alienate Europe's Muslims while reducing freedom for everyone? To discuss this, I'm joined now from Brussels by our European correspondent, Suzanne Lynch. Suzanne, could you describe for a moment the context in which these measures are being discussed? How big is the perceived threat of another attack? Yes, well, in, in many senses, a discussion about the threat of foreign fighters and kind of homegrown terrorism had been emerging in EU debate for the last 12 months or so. Um, the the events in the Jewish Museum in Brussels, for example, back in May, which, which looking back now, were quite understated, um, were, were seen as kind of one of the st- first signs that this could be an issue uh, for European countries. So and since this, then, Suzanne, sorry, this was an attack on the Jewish Museum in, pa- in, 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 Brussels. in Brussels. Yes, four people were killed by a lone gunman. And a French man is now in custody, uh, suspected of, of committing those crimes. And this man had been um, already in Syria. So we had that then in October, a very high profile case opened in Antwerp, where 46 members of a radical group called Sharia for Belgium were put on trial. Only eight of them were present because the remainder um, were suspected to be in the Middle East fighting for uh, the Islamic State. So in a sense, in Belgium at least, and in countries nearby, there's been a sense that this is a kind of a growing threat, if you like. But undoubtedly, the events of the last few weeks have really served to, to focus, focus uh, views on this and to push it right up the EU agenda. Now, what exactly are they discussing? There are, there have been, there's been a meeting this week of foreign ministers and other groups of ministers will be meeting over the coming days and weeks. Yeah, I mean, the issue with a lot of things, when it comes to the EU, you're talking about 28 member states with very different uh, policies on issues like immigration, home affairs, uh, justice and policing. Um, and in, in a sense, it is the role of the member state level at, for national authorities uh, to, to implement laws. But the EU has got increasing powers in these areas, particularly since the Lisbon Treaty. So we're now seeing the, a public uh, kind of demand for this, for the EU to do more. Now, I mean, I think the context here, what, what seems to get lost, in, in the debate uh, about what the events of the last few weeks is that Belgium and France are involved in airstrikes at the moment in Iraq and Syria. They, you know, they're part of the US-led coalition. Um, so you've got that, that aspect to it. And then you've got the EU, which you know, is not tasked with taking that much of a role in terms of, of foreign policy. It's limited in what it can do, and its emphasis is much more on diplomacy and that kind of thing. But in saying that, there are some measures that can be introduced. One of the main um, issues is and debate is the Schengen area. That's the, the borderless zone of the 26 countries 
within mainland Europe, Ireland and Britain are not in Schengen. Um, but there's now been discussion about whether these borders need to be uh, strengthened, that maybe that there is a need for passports to be checked, documents to be checked when passing through different countries. Um, um, but what they seem to be saying here at, in Brussels is that let's work within the existing framework. You know, there are provisions that in emergency situations you can increase border checks if needed, etc. So I think we're going to be seeing a strengthening of existing legislation rather than any dramatic move to introduce something radically new at EU level. And Suzanne, a lot of the measures that are being discussed are really, as you say, being discussed at national level. So a lot of these measures about withholding or confiscating passports from uh, people who are suspected of being extremists are happening at a national rather than a European level. But one of the uh, policies or proposals that the European Commission has dug up out of its drawer uh, is this uh, proposal on uh, PNR data, passenger uh, name records for uh, for airline passengers in Europe, which they originally proposed in 2011. And they wanted uh, the data on all airline passengers entering and uh, leaving the EU to be collected and shared between EU member states and perhaps with the United States and others. And some of the categories they were talking about, the categories of data, included contact information, travel routes, computer IP addresses, hotel bookings, credit card information, and diet preferences. Now, the European Parliament has already rejected this once. Uh, Is it going to go through it at this time? Yeah, well, as you say, focus has now really returned to this because, as I said, there's a sense in Brussels that they don't have the time or space or will to come up with new legislation, so let's look at what they've got. And as you say, this proposal was first proposed in 2011 and now has got stalled in the European Parliament's process. Now, as you explained, it's got, it's got caught up with the wider debate about data protection and, and data protection rights um, that really has, you know, has dominated a lot of debate in the European Parliament over the last year. Um, so German MEPs in particular um, are very strong on this. They feel that um, this, you know, are we, are we having a knee-jerk reaction that this data privacy uh, requirements of the passenger name records um, are too stringent and too strong. Um, now, even last Sunday before the session opened in Strasbourg, the Green Party uh, group in Parliament put out a very strong statement saying that, you know, Europe should not be bullied into, into introducing this knee-jerk reaction, this big brother um, kind of surveillance. Um, but it has to be said that the public mood um, has changed uh, since last year. And I think member states at the council level, all 28 seem to be uh, for this. Um, so I think they're going to fight very hard to, to tell their electorate, well, sorry, this, this proposal is not going to, going to cut, cut the mustard. Now, one issue that the Parliament has said is that they've asked the Commission to maybe come forward with a new proposal. The Commission has ruled that out, said, no, we are not going through with a new proposal. What's there is there. But in saying that, what we might see is is some kind of negotiation. There's going to have to be some kind of compromise on this proposal. I'd say it will go through eventually because it's definitely become the focus um, for um, a kind of a, a very swift way in which um, new, you know, new security measures can be enhanced within the European Union. But there will have to be compromises made in order to get the parliamentary support for it. Among those who feel most frightened in Europe right now are uh, Europe's Jewish community and, as you mentioned, uh, the synagogue or the uh, the Jewish museum, rather, in Brussels uh, came under attack some months ago and, of course, uh, four people were killed, four Jew, French Jews were killed uh, in, the, uh, in the hostage uh, drama at the kosher supermarket in Paris earlier this month. 
Are the Jews of Europe right to feel uh, uncomfortable? And as many of them are now suggesting that they feel they they, they, don't, they no longer feel safe in, in Europe. Is that, a, is that a reasonable anxiety on their part? Well, there's a debate here at the moment um, on TV and radio stations constantly that, you know, is, is say, for example, the presence of armed soldiers actually adding to the problem, that it's creating a sense of fear. A lot of commentators have made the point in, in Belgium that, you know, this army, how far are they able to actually act if there was a threat? They're carrying arms, but it's unclear whether they're going to be able to use them if they're, if they're legally allowed. So there's been a lot of debate that it's, it's kind of fueling um, div- divisions within the society. Now, in saying that, particularly after the Paris attacks, there's been a lot of uh, debate and a lot of uh, comments from the Jewish community about, um, you know, a lot of Jews saying they're, they're thinking of moving to Israel. Um, now, France has, has a quite a long history um, in this regard, in recent times, I mean, on this. Um, in, in Belgium, Antwerp is one of the huge centres for Orthodox Jews in Northern Europe. Uh, so we have a very large Jewish quarter near the Diamond area in Antwerp. Um, and that has been heavily fortified. At least 30 armed soldiers are patrolling schools and, and public sites there. Um, you're, you're right. I mean, the, 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 the suggestion is, you know, how, how big of a threat is it? I suppose the events of recent weeks uh, would suggest that it is a very big threat. So it is understandable that the Jewish community are feeling uh, very insecure at the moment. The other community in Europe that uh, finds itself uh, feeling uncomfortable is, of course, the Muslim community. And is there any... Uh, fear in Europe or among policymakers that some of this uh, response to the events of recent weeks could actually make the problem of the alienation of some Muslims in Europe even worse? Yes, I mean, we're back to the age-old old question of um, how to prevent radicalisation. Where the minister, foreign ministers here in Brussels this week were talking about pre-radicalisation programmes, how to integrate disaffected uh, Muslim youth into society. France has been grappling with that social issue for years, and so has Belgium. Um, I think in Belgium, there is, it's, it, it, arguably, it hasn't succeeded quite as much. There's been a very strong um, right-wing um, ideology here, particularly from the Flemish nationalists, in Belgium for the last decade or so and and commentators are saying this has served to even further kind of isolate um, the Muslim community here. So um, there's a lot of, yesterday in, in, in Brussels at the meeting of foreign affairs ministers, I think one of the most interesting things to emerge from that meeting was an emphasis on uh, the need for dialogue with the Muslim community, both within Europe and um, with uh, Arab neighbours, friendly Arab neighbours. And the new EU foreign policy chief, Federica Mogherini, spoke of, of you know, enhanced use of Arabic in order to engage with the Muslim community. Um, but whether this will actually help to, um, in the in the very immediate um, task of combating terrorism and, and imminent terrorist uh, attacks is, is another matter. Suzanne Lynch in Brussels, thank you. And that's all from this edition of Worldview. You can find more on all our stories at irishtimes.com and you can contact us at worldview at irishtimes.com. But from producer Sinead O'Shea, sound engineer Gary White and from me, Dennis Staunton, goodbye.